This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. So to get started on today's service, I'm going to sort of start at the end. And what I'd like is from right down the middle here over, you folks over here on the left are going to say a new walk. So could you practice one time? All right, practice one more time. A new walk. This side over, you folks are going to say a full response. Okay, one more time. Okay, so today's service is about... Good. And that's what we're going to be talking about, a new walk, a full response. Now, one of the things we were going to do when when we started our service on Martin Luther King Day weekend, uh, and unfortunately the storm got in the way, was we were going to have Corey Thomas wanted to share uh, an essay that he wrote about Martin Luther King. And I think it's an important one to start on because, again, we can see in Martin Luther King's life, here's our practice, we can see in Martin Luther King's life, we can see both of those things. (laughs) That was bad. The, uh, you got to take practice from the band. Uh, you know, we can see those two things going together. So with that, Corey's family's going to come up. They're going to read this thing that Corey had to share. We're going to use that to launch into our service. So please give him a round of applause. All right, so Corey's extremely nervous, and he's not very comfortable reading this, but I am, and um, you have to keep in mind, these are the words from an 11-year-old boy, and it is his dream for the future of our world. I have a dream for improving the future of the world and its people. The world will improve by people having respect for the environment, having world peace, and no homeless people or starvation. I dream that people will respect the environment more. I hope that nobody litters on streets or in parks. There should be less gas pollution so that the air is fresh. I hope that less people smoke so that the air is cleaner. I also dream of a day when there will be world peace. There should not be wars. I hope that in the near future, everyone gets along and there are no bullies. There will be no terrorists or bombings. The world will be so much safer without these things. My last dream is that those who are homeless will one day find shelter. I dream that people will help the homeless to find a warm meal. I hope they will find jobs and will one day find a warm home where they are safe. I have a dream that the future of this world will be so much better for all people. Great job. Can you hear in there, folks, a new walk? Can you hear it? Can you hear in there a full response to life? And that's what we're going to talk about today is is we've been looking at the idea of starting point and how starting points happen all the times in our lives where where we get to a point and and life doesn't quite work the way that we might have hoped that it would. You, You know, I think about Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King, you know what he wanted to be? He wanted to be a seminary professor. He wanted to preach and then he wanted to teach in college. God had slightly different plans for that man. And we can see that that kind of journey echoed in our own journeys. This series is based on this. We have a lot of first-time attendees, so I want to catch you up a little bit. For many, our faith framework did not make it through the challenges of adult life. So we're searching for a new starting point of adult faith. 
So we're looking for something new, for something different. And we've been looking at this story from Matthew 14. And we're going to be looking at this fifth part here, CPR. What is CPR? We've been looking at an A student, perplexity, CPR. Next week's pay attention to different things. Today we're looking at CPR. We're going to do that by looking at Matthew 14. So I want to read it to you because, again, we have a lot of first-time people and then show you the part that we're going to be focusing on today. This is from Matthew 14. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, again, saw the wind, that's a beautiful line. He was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? But when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. A beautiful line there, folks. And and the part I want to focus on today are these words. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand. That that idea of immediately and and this looking at doubt. And and how is it that that we have to understand doubt? That Jesus, here Jesus is immediately reaching out. And as the line says, why did you doubt? You know, this, this doubting part. Like Christ going, yeah, why did you doubt? Oh, ye of little faith, why did you doubt? Now, it's interesting, even when we look at that first part there where it says ye of little faith or you of little faith, don't view that as sort of an accusatory thing. It's not. Jesus, in a very famous parable later on, says, if you only have a little faith, like a mustard seed. So I see him saying, yeah, you have a little faith. And why do you doubt? Maybe that little bit of faith is just enough to get us through these inevitable challenges, these these inevitable breakings in life. The story has this beautiful arc to it. And again, I really want to keep coming back to the arc so you can really start to kind of marinate in it and start start to really see your life in it. We have a boat out on the lake. It's unable to get back in because the wind, the headwind is so strong. Here comes Jesus walking across the water, and here's Peter sitting with the boys, and and Jesus saying, look, come, come on out. And of course, Peter doesn't trust it. I mean, how many of you would trust somebody who could say you could walk on water? But he does it, the A student. He puts one foot out tentatively, then eventually lets go, starts walking on the water, gets a number of steps away, and then he sinks. And then he sinks. And it's interesting, right? Like, if you noticed, and I, and I drew, I drew, a, I tried to draw some attention to this. He wasn't afraid. He didn't start to doubt because of the water. He started to be afraid because of the, the wind. You know, that howling in our head. How many of us have howling in our head? You know? Yes. It's that howling, like, oh, you know, you just can't hear anything else. It's just the wind and the wind and the wind and the wind. And of course, that, that creates doubt because we just can get paralyzed by that. You know, where we just think like, oh, Lord, please just make it stop. Just for a minute. 
just let it stop. Let me have a moment of peace. Let me have a moment of quiet. But of course, that wind can just take control of our lives. And of course, it can start to pull in doubt. And I want to say, I want to give you a little story about from when I was growing up. I grew up in western Pennsylvania, sort of a pretty rough area of western Pennsylvania. I, I grew up, and it's a weird, for those of you who don't know, it was a weird, weird family situation where we had a farm that we had a nursing home. So we had a farm and a nursing home, both on the same. You won't find that, I think, anywhere else in America. But it was, it was a kind of a cool way to grow up as a farmer and a nursing home assistant. And, and it was a rough area, you know, it was, it was Western PA, you know, sort of frontier justice kind of thing. And, and I can remember going to get swimming lessons. I ended up being a competitive swimmer. Um, but where I first learned was a place called Allegheny Valley Y. And they had some tough mamas there to teach you swimming. And I can remember going to the pool very distinctly. And this was the way they taught you not to cry. They told you on the first day, if you cry, I'm going to dunk you. I remember just holding on to the edge of that pool, like, Lord, don't make me cry. And, and I think that's sort of the way, that's sort of the way we look at, we look at this story, right? Like, oh, ye of little faith, if you cry, I'm dunking you. That's the way God works, right? Is that the way God works? Please say no. Please. No, it's, it's not the way God works. It's not the way God works, but that's the way we see it so much of the time. Like, here, God, he's carrying me through my life. Oop, did it wrong. Dunk. Are you done now? Oh, you want to cry? Second dunk. Does not work. Does not work. God does not rule our lives from fear. He rules our lives from faith. And faith is connected to peace and seeing the world with the eye of love. Very different approach, right? And see, we can have all these different doubts. First, is a doubt that we can swim. A doubt that God's hand will be doubt we won't. And I would imagine for a lot of you, when you look at that, you can, you can see your lives there. Yeah, of course we go through these kinds of doubts. If I was sinking in the water, of course these doubts would go through my mind. And then we get in this whole nother layer of guilt where we feel like because I doubted I was wrong? No. No, doubt. See, see folks, don't, don't read this as sort of like this is the way to live your life perfectly. This is your life. Your life will be filled with doubt. Gee, Lord, I don't, I don't know. I just lost my job. Am I going to be able to keep my head above water? Lord, I, I, I just lost my marriage. Am I going to be able to keep my head above water? Lord, I, I just lost my health. Am I going to be able to keep my head above water? Lord, the, the Patriots just lost for the fifth time. Am I going to be able to keep my head above water? We, we, we struggle with that again and again. And I think God is constantly saying, like, look, these doubts are going to be part of life. Of course they are. Just, just get, listen carefully here. Just get that I'm there too. And we alluded to this last week. I want to allude it again this week. Who did the reaching? Peter starts to sink beneath the waves. Is it him reaching his, his hand up or is it Christ reaching his hand down? Which one? Christ reaching his hand down. 
Isn't that beautiful? I mean, it's just such a beautiful image. I think probably a lot of us in here have had that experience of like when we, when we felt like we might be drowning and, and, you know, we go under the water and there's that little panic for that moment. And then there's that knowledge like, oh, mom and dad. How many of you remember here the first time we went off a diving board? You know, remember that feeling when, when you jumped off and mom or dad, they were right there underneath. And of course, they're smart enough not to actually catch you. <laughs> but to let you go in the water a little bit and then pull you out? I think that's what we're talking about here. I think that's what we're talking about. Because what we come to understand, folks, is that we're gonna struggle with self-doubt. And even that pattern of self-doubt is gonna start to get questioned. And what starts to happen is this. Look at this line from the sermon writing team. The miracle, and I'm going to have you say that last word really loud so that, the, so that the youngies who just welcomed a new baby this week and are watching online can hear this. The sink unhinges the pattern. pattern. The sink unhinges the pattern. This is really like, this is one, folks, I'm going to be coming back to. It's, it's, it's one I've been working on for the past couple of weeks, and I feel like there's a sermon brewing, sort of like a nor'easter, coming later on this winter. See, once we allow that pattern to be unhinged, we're allowed to have a full response to Christ's call. See, what I've realized for me, can't speak for you, what I've realized for me is that that church is kind of like this nice thing. And I can interject it, and my idea of being really sacrificial is showing up on Sunday morning instead of Facebook, right? I think we're asked for a deeper response than that. I think we're asked for a full response, a Martin Luther King response, where it gets in and it actually becomes disruptive in our lives. And, and there's, there's a disruption, and it happens when we allow the sink to unhinge our patterns. And that unhinging is not about trying to reach back to what was, but we come out of that, it's about reaching to what could be in the future. But to do that, we have to be able to keep our eyes, as they say, on the prize. To understand that life is a wave and that at times we feel caught up in that trough, that that right in the middle of the big waves of the perfect storm. It was very fortunate on on Thursday night to be able to work with another church group over at St. John's Chapel over in Huntington Valley. And a dear friend came there and, and offered me a poem called The Trough. It's a beautiful poem. I liked it so much, I said, Beth, would you say that to our congregation? And she, without knowing better, said yes. So I give you Bethany Osborne, who wants to share that poem with you. Beth? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This, I didn't write this poem. Um, the Trough by Judy Brown. There is a trough in waves, a low spot where horizon disappears and only sky and water are our company. And there we lose our way, unless we rest, knowing the wave will bring us to its crest again. There we may drown if we let fear hold us within its grip and shake us side to side and leave us flailing, torn, disoriented. 
But if we rest there in the trough, are silent, being with the low part of the wave, keeping our energy and noticing the shape of things, the flow, then time alone will bring us to another place where we can see horizon, see the land again, regain our sense of where we are and where we need to swim. I love that image of the trough and, and like seeing ourselves down in the waves and all of a sudden the wave, the wave grows and we can't see anything. We can't see the shore anymore. But if we're patient, if we understand Christ, if we understand resilience, we'll be able to move through that. Now, a lot of that takes a waiting, a, a willingness to wait. Trust the water, trust the waves and wait on God. So, you know, when, when we look at that and, and trying to figure out the, the mechanics, like, like here is God and he's saying like, look, just, just, just go with the wave. I'm there, was there in that first walk. I was there actually in the boat. I was there on that first walk. And I'm there when you sink too. I'm there. And then we get to this second walk, this new walk. This full response that's just simply beautiful. And the new response is empowered by this. We shift from listening to God. That becomes, please say those three words. Listening to God becomes grasping God's hand. Grasping God's hand. Now you have to see folks kind of like, uh, you know, the way God would work this. Remember as a kid where you do the thing where you'd like, you know, pulled your hand out to shake somebody's hand and then you do this. You know, that's not what he's doing. That's not what he's doing. You're going blah, 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 and he's going, I got you. I got you. Just take my hand. That's what we're learning in this phase. That's that, that new kind of grasping. And again, like you think of Peter here being all wet, like literally just he's, he's literally underneath the water. It's not like he just got his feet wet. He's literally drowning. And that's the place where we can finally grasp that hand. Now, now what, I'm, what I imagine to be true is that that hand is always there. But maybe it's only when we really sink that we know it. And maybe that's the time where we finally know it because it's the time when we really get clear. Listen carefully. We really, really get clear how much we need it. How much we need it. It's not an angry hand. It's not a clenched fist. It's not a hand going up or down. It's a hand of this. Doesn't matter where you are, doesn't matter what your background is, doesn't matter the sins you have in your life, doesn't matter all the guilt you're bringing here today, doesn't matter how bad you've blown it. That hand is still always there. And, and just imagine, like you look at the movie Selma out right now, you know, the, the, the Jerome Pettus Bridge and Martin Luther King and, and all these just these horrible, horrible things that, that the civil rights leaders went through. I mean, Martin Luther King had to have that idea. 
that Christ was even there too. In those moments of incredible darkness, because it's too easy to read those heroic stories and to think like, well, I would have done that too. But remember, those people didn't know how the story was going to end. They didn't know. But eventually, eventually, they came to trust that Christ was there too. So one of the things we've been doing that we've been having some fun with here at New Church Live is kind of taking this old practice called Lectio Divina, where you kind of put yourself in the story and you really think like, well, what would I do? Or what was the story like for me? And then we sort of think, yeah, what would I do? And what would I say? So now let's play that a little bit. So Peter has sunk into the water. Peter, from the New Church perspective, represents our faith. Our faith has sunk. That faith of childhood no longer working. The faith we had in God, that that childlike image, which is a beautiful thing. That has served us so far. But somehow the realities of adult life have just nicked away at it enough that it finally sinks. Christ reaching in the water, pulling us out there. Now what I'd like you to do is to think. So Christ reaches down. Peter grabs his hand. He pulls him out. And now they start a new walk. A new walk back to the boat. Now, I really believe Christ did almost everything with a smile. I think he was incredibly funny. I think he was gregarious, actually. So imagine this question. As Christ walked Peter back to the boat, what do you think Christ said? What do you think he told him? As he's here holding his hand and this guy's just sopping wet. All right? So please, you can share that with a neighbor or you can text in your answer to me. Please take 60 seconds and do that. All right, let's take a look here. See what people came up with. Uh, oh, man, some of these are just beautiful. I wish I, wish I knew, folks. We get, we get people from all over the country. I have no idea uh, some of these area codes, but just some really beautiful, beautiful ones. Uh, I know you can, but you need to believe you're able. You gave up. I love you, man. Uh, oh, one request for the booth. Could you jack the volume a little bit so Chuck can be heard loud? It's all good. You're with love now. Come on, trust me. I will help you. It's really okay. Peter says, Jesus, that was crazy. Jesus said, brother, I told you to trust me. No worries. I got you. Let's get you dried off. Don't doubt me. So you're going to stay dry next time? That's good. Need a towel. You can use my robe. Now try it again. Watch your step. Peter, I'm always here with you. Don't ever doubt yourself, bud. If there's anything you need, the help, I'm here. I'm with you. I'll keep you on the right path. This is great. You owe me big time. Way to go, George. He he. I was, I am, and I'm always going to be here. Have a nice day. Now you know. Isn't that beautiful? And, and again, like picture Christ saying that now you know. Not like in the scolding, like now you know. But just in that, just in that joy of like now you know. Now you know. See, isn't that beautiful, folks, to think? I, I do think that's, those are the kinds of things that Christ would have said. 
Like, and he would have said it tenderly. If, if you want a Bible scripture, this was one I thought he, he might have offered. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me will save it. And that word life, which we've talked about it here before, he's saying the life you're going to lose is your psyche. Literally, that's what it says in the Greek. The life you're going to lose is your psyche, your paradigm. Ready for this? Listen, listen, listen. You guys are listening really carefully, right? What you're going to lose, what you're going to lose, I would write this down. What you're going to lose is your mask. What you will lose is your mask. Think about that. How many of us would love to lose our mask? Even just for a day. It would be great. And he said, the life you're going to live, it's, it's, it's where if you, if you have a relative named Zoe, this is what they're named after, is your Zoe, your, your eternal life, that, that part of you that just flows passionately through you. So you lose the mask and you gain your passion. That's what he's saying. And for some reason in, in human nature, we, we tend to only discover that after we've been through a time of drowning. That can feel so incredibly hard, right? This is the way New Church puts it. Times of trial suppress our... To the point where it seems to disappear and almost... Where our self-will to the point where it almost seems to disappear and almost die out. To the extent that this happens, the Lord can work though our, through our conscience implanted in charity. So what happens is, is that self-will, that, that constant like, we all know that, right? You're like, it, 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 it dies. It almost dies. Like it just, it just God's just, he wants, he wants to like get the volume down. So that something else can well up inside. Something much stronger and much more beautiful. Remember those first two phrases? Could we go back to that? And I'd really love you folks to say this real loud because I think this is like the key, key, key. What we discover is a new walk, a full response. Can we say it one more time? A new walk, a full response. And I think that's that, I think that's that second part here. Like you get pulled out and we start and it's a new walk, right? It's a new walk. And it's, and it's this much, it's this much fuller response where, where we're not just seeing church as a, as a, you know, I, I think like in my life, it, it, it was that shift from seeing church just as a Sunday thing that I did for an hour to seeing, to seeing church quote unquote as a way of life. And hopefully that doesn't make me scary to anybody out there. I mean, that's why New Church Live, we really try to be that Monday morning church because I think that's what these kind of stories call us to with that, with that new walk and that full response. It's like, like we shift totally in a way that, that just ends up being amazing. And now Christ can start to breathe into us, C-P-R, and that breath has these three parts. Christ, patience, resilience. C-P-R. That's the teacher in me that made that up, by the way. It's, it's C-P-R. We're like, the word inspired. Let's just, let's talk about that word for a minute, okay? The word inspired, spiritus means soul, wind, breath, God in Greek. So if we are inspired, that means that God's breath is coming into us. 
And you bet you, if you're drowning, it's nice to be around people who know CPR. And you see that, 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 that breath that starts to come in. And Christ, instead of calling to us, he starts to walk with us. It's a very, very different relationship to Christ. It's where we really start to understand that Christ is, is like right there with us. I mean, this was, a, I was talking with this, this woman on Sunday, beautiful, beautiful conversation. And she's talking about kind of how do I find the will of God? And, and it's kind of this view of the will of God, like it's out there a little bit like, where's Waldo? You know, how do I look at the comic book enough? And then eventually I'll spot the guy in the red and white sweater. And I said, I, I told her and I said, well, here, this is where you got to start. You are the will of God. You are the will of God. If you weren't the will of God, you wouldn't be alive. You wouldn't be here. You'd literally be no thing. Sit in that place for a minute. Sit in that new walk. Sit in that full response. But see, that's not filled with a lot of hubris because you know in the first walk, as soon as my ego and my self-will gets going, I can count in two seconds I'm going to be drowning. It's not going to work. But I can definitely understand that in new and life-giving ways on my second walk of life. And and folks, don't, don't see these as discrete stages. And especially this. Please, please, please. Could you all say, I promise together, everybody? Please say, I promise. This is what you're promising. Don't ever, ever go out of here judging whether someone else is on the first walk or the second or they're drowning. Got it? Got it. Don't do that. I know lots of people who it looks like the first, they're on the first walk, they're well on the second. Lots of people are well on the second. Maybe they should have done the first better. I know lots of people who are drowning. I, you know, I, I don't know. I just, I just try to think of it for me. Not taking anyone else's moral inventory. That's for God to do. So we can start to understand that. And, and then, folks, what we start to get is, is this, this crazy admixture where we start, let's listen carefully here, we start to live this inspired life, but we also get that life that I'm completely powerless and that my life is unmanageable. That's a crazy paradox only second half people get. Where they feel God's spirit moving through them and they get, I am just so powerless. Life is so unmanageable. I mean, you think about a Martin Luther King standing on the edge of the bridge there in Birmingham, Alabama. You think of him standing on the edge. Do you think he felt like he was in complete control of life as he saw the state troopers lined across that bridge? Do you think he felt completely in control? Do you think he felt all powerful? Do you think he felt like Martin Luther King (laughs) as we know him today? No. No. But was there a voice at that moment? quiet voice, that hand underneath the water, lifting him up, saying, it's okay. That breath of inspiration that's able to move us through those places where we really get life is powerless and unmanageable, but it's able to walk us through that, not to somehow give us some big self-esteem caffeine kick. It's not what it's about. And I could talk about that all day long. I think self-esteem is way overrated. Because if my self-esteem is about my selfishness and just making that better, I'm just sinking further and further. 
But instead, if my self-esteem, if I can somehow instead attach it to inspired, attach it to leaving my mask behind, allow it, allow it to somehow attach for, for God bringing to life who I really am, that, that I am part of God's will, and, and my job is to discover what that is in this world. And it's a wonderful discovery, and to allow that to sort of march through. Maybe that's the world where, where I can start to see things differently. And, and this is what happens. I am not much of an artist, so you think about this little piece with self-doubt. Do we have that with the camera there? We think about this little piece with self-doubt. We're trying to do something tricky here. You think about that tiny little piece with self-doubt. I'll just hold this. Remember that little self-doubt post-it? You know, when we have that, 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 that self-doubt that just is constantly like in our head, in our head, in our head. I feel like that's so much that first half walk. It just, it's really painful. You know, I, for, for the teens in here, like I, I just, I, I want to just honor. I, I remember, I mean, that is so hard being a teenager. And I, I'd love to tell you it gets easier when you're almost 50. It doesn't. I think it's always hard, right? When you walk into a new environment and, and your first thing is, will anybody talk to me? Will anybody play with me? You know, I, it's, it's, it's that self-doubt. But, but when we start to do this second half, when we start to learn CPR, okay, Christ, patience, resilience. Christ, patience, resilience. A new walk, a full response, my mask going away. Eventually, this, this just sort of tears away, you know, and, and, and we're just like, okay, that self-doubt, it just, it just it gets crumpled up, and it's just thrown away, and it's, just, it's like it's not part of the equation anymore. I mean, I, I think, I, I know I struggle with self-doubt all the time, but, but I just get it's part of the game and I, and I can sort of have distance from it. I don't know if that makes sense or not. I, I hope it does. It, it's, it, because that's, that's not, that's like, my battle isn't to not have self-doubt. My, my battle is to not have self-doubt, is to live like this, little sunshine, God holding me up. It's not to have self-doubt. Please listen carefully here. It's to have meaning. I mean, my self-doubt issues could be totally fixed and I could live a life with no meaning at all, just kind of skating through. That's why we need that full response. It's, it's a very different, very empowered place to be, I, I think, in life. I mean, that idea that this is a new walk, and listen to these words here, it's not a restored past. It's not a restored past, but a renewed future. You know, where we're able to keep on moving with our journeys. That's what this part of it is all about. And what a beautiful starting point. Like, like folks, just imagine all the starting points that can occur for you in that second half. It's beautiful. And I'm going to tell you, it feels great. You get those rare moments but it feels great. It feels great when you step out of the boat. It's, it's like a first day of spring. We realize that God was there too. To bring this home before our final prayer, I want to show you this video that I think gets across how good I imagine that that feels. Don't you love the one where the calic does its, its rub this ear? I'd love to do that. Listen, folks, if cows can do it, so can you. There you go. That's your sermon. See, see, like, just imagine that. Would you imagine that second walk of life? 
imagine the joy you can have there when, when you sort of thrown self-doubt, like, yep, that just, that just really isn't part of the equation anymore. Purpose, meaning, getting rid of my mask, really living into this life. That's what really is important. That's what really matters. Got to keep eye on the shore. I have to be aware of my surroundings. And I have to live. I have to really live. Yeah, there's parts of me that are going to drown. Hallelujah. There's parts of me that aren't going to make it through this. Hallelujah. And Christ is there too. Christ is there too. You ready? We're going to come back. We're going to go back to the beginning of the service, come back to it at the end. And what we need to remember is a full response. A new walk and a full response. What I'd ask you now to do is to please join me in prayer. Now, because the band has a really, really good song at the end, as they always do, I'd ask us to do this standing up so we can pray together standing up, enjoy a moment of quiet reflection, and then we can all join the band in this last song. Lord, allow us to feel in this space. The space, Lord, of a second walk in our lives. Doesn't matter, Lord, young, old, whatever, but allow us, Lord, to really feel empowered to choose that second walk. And maybe, Lord, it's not even us choosing. Maybe it's you reminding us of this, that we are chosen. Chosen to live lives of purpose. Chosen to connect with those around us whom we love. Chosen to allow the parts of us to die, Lord, that are holding us back, fears, addiction, rages, compulsions, that that we can actually allow those parts to drown, those self-will parts. But even there, Lord, your mercy and grace there, that hand reaching beneath the waves to pull us up and to bring us home. Allow us, Lord, to feel that. Allow us, Lord, to feel your love lifting us higher and higher. Higher and higher, Lord, above lives that are so broken. Higher and higher, Lord, above relationships that fail often. In attempts at living perfection that are anything but. Higher and higher, Lord. Towards you. Towards your love. Towards one another. Towards heaven. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www newchurchlive.tv. See you next week.